We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've got high stakes player Nelson Souza from the FTN uh, from FTN.com joining us on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. All sorts of talk about the NFFC, FFPC, and just high stakes community as well. All coming up here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here. Uh, we are joined, happy to have him, is Nelson Souza from the uh, from FTN.com and from just high stakes community. If you play in the Rotowire Online Championship, the Primetime Classic, the FFPC, any of the big high stakes contests, no doubt you've probably run into Nelson in one of your drafts or at least heard a lot about his success in doing these drafts. Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff. Of course, of course. Uh, <clears throat> hey, we did a Rotowire Online Championship draft together about a, about ten days ago now, um, and fun draft, a lot of fun. Uh, I love the I love the Rotowire Online Championship. Love uh, that format. I love the high stakes community. I like overall contests. So uh, in baseball and in football, it forces you to really focus on your opinions on how to build a team and and your player opinions as well. Yep. <clears throat> no doubt about it. I, what I enjoy about it this year is I feel like uh, the drafts are not cookie cutter. Um, there's, yeah. there's been, you know, over the years, there's been a couple of years where I remember it's like, you know, just the same thing over and over. The, the guys are locked into the same ADP. No one really ventures off. And this year, I feel like the drafts are kind of all over the place. And the actual like team builds are all different. So that's what I'm enjoying this year is the fact that just, you know, guys are getting in there and players are just, you know, they're not locked in necessarily to that uh, ADP that you, you see, you know, every Agreed. week. That's been my experience as well. In fact, last year, I think I did some, a lot of drafts where it was like 10, 11 running backs in the first round to your point about different builds. That's the thing I like the most this year is, you know, some leagues, I can't get Jamar Chase at five. Other leagues, I get them at eight or nine. And I, I like that. Uh, I like that aspect of, uh, of roster building. Um, even some leagues, you, you know, you'll get someone that's big on Kelsey in the first round. Other people, he'll, he'll go to like, other leagues will go to like 18 or 20. You know, it's, I love that. And I love the variance there. It makes it a far more interesting game. Yeah, for sure. 
like I was doing, I mean, I'm drafting right now, you know, two, three times a day uh, from here on out until uh, opening week. And um, I, I just enjoy the, the, like I said, the fact that I'm, I'm building teams from the back end, the front end. Uh, there's no specific draft spot, I think, this year that is like, oh, the, you know, this is the preferred choice. Um, I'm sure people have it. I, I haven't really found it. Like, I, I'm not even sure, like, where I want to draft from. Like, when we get to, like, the bigger leagues um, out in New York and, and in Vegas for these live events, um, I, I don't even know where, where I want to draft from. Well, that leads into my first question, uh, or at least uh, one of the first questions is for, uh, draft order. Because in our draft that we did, uh, you got your first choice, which was 12th. Uh, you were on the wheel, and I was going to ask you, is that your ideal spot? But it sounds like it's just like you're you're still trying to feel around and find that out. Yeah, uh, that particular night, it was probably I had looked at my player shares, um, which is a feature that the NFFC has, which is pretty cool is. Uh, to see what your player exposure is. And I just happened to want to go to the back end and, and build a team that way. Um, but I've... I've set my KDS one through five and then 12 through six. Uh, I'd probably say that like my least favorite today right now is probably like pick six, seven, eight. Um, I probably, that? Um, Cause I, I feel like there's a tier of players that I believe are a little bit above the rest. Um, and that's, you know, I think CMC Taylor with Jefferson cup, and Stefan Diggs are kind of like the the players for me. And then on the back end, I enjoy, you know, going like building two running back starts like uh, DeAndre Swift with Saquon, um, even like Alvin Kamara or something like that. Or, you know, you can in the back end, like you can end up with like Stefan Diggs and a running back or you could end up with like CD Lamb and a you know, Devonte Adams or something like that. So <clears throat> that's what I like about the back end is just having that. And then the quick third round reversal, uh, obviously in NFFC, um, you get that quick pick and it's usually there's another tier of players that I really like that sometimes will fall out of the second round. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. You did start Swift and Barkley in our draft uh, that we did together. Uh, mm -hmm. And, I, I it was fun watching you build up and see that the yellow brick road after that, as our friend Derek Van Riper likes to call it, there with all the receivers, <laughs> uh, six receivers in a row, a quarterback, and then another receiver. Um, and before you took your third running back, and uh, I, I, you know, I like it, I like it from a like watching a roster build. I didn't like it being on the other end and seeing you just keep on you, you and Christopher Caro sitting next to each other, just tearing up that inventory of wide receivers that I usually get in many of my drafts. Yeah, that when I saw that Chris was uh, right next to me in the draft, we you know we're we're good friends and we text each other and and it was like we're texting each other you know at the same time you know like damn it you know how we end up right next to each other sometimes you know if we can avoid it we try not to be in the same draft together but if right. we do on opposite ends at least we don't really you know bother each other too much but when we're right was, next to each other. We, we have kind of a similar thought process when we're, you know, constructing our teams. I was really grateful to be on the opposite end of you in that draft, uh, with the exception of being, of course, the two, three turn because it's third round reversal. 
uh, in the uh, in the NFFC. And I think uh, that does shape my opinion a little bit about where I want to draft. Like I, you know, I think there's a significant disadvantage to being at the back end of the first round if you don't have third round reversal. Whereas in, in third round reversal, I love being at three one and three two. Yeah, I think like for example, FFPC. If you're drafting in the front end, um, I think there's definitely a, a little bit of an advantage from the front end. Um, but in the back end, it just depends like what players get t- taken. But there's like a stretch. There's players that will stretch to you at the three four turn at FFPC, and the same thing with NFFC. I I think that three four turn is crucial in how you're going to build your team. So. Agreed. You can pick anybody in the first two rounds. Like, like I said, I, I had mentioned earlier with the builds, going running back, running back, or you go one and one, um, you know, something like that. It's the three, four turn that kind of dictates how you're going to build and construct your team. And I think that's where you see a lot of people try some different things. Like I think – this year, if you go two running backs and in the third round you take like a Mark Andrews or a Kyle Pitts, I think at wide receiver you're gonna be lacking. If you're in the right room, if you're in the right. <clears throat> if you're in the right draft room with like a bunch of really good sharp players, they're not leaving you any value at wide receiver. Uh, so I think that's difficult to pull that type of structure off. Um, if if you're in a room where it's more like novice players and, and guys that, um, you know, are, are not really familiar with like the NFFC, they might leave a little bit of inventory left, you know, left over at wide receiver. But in, when we get into like our prime times and, and everything, I, you know, you had mentioned that you're going to be doing a couple of main events and everything. Um, those, those are, you know, really good players in there. And, they're just not going to let anything really slide. No, agreed. I'm going to be in Vegas uh, Labor Day weekend, the first of uh, the main weekends for NFFC. I'll be doing a prime time on that Saturday Labor Day weekend. And you're right, absolutely. Uh, and the, you'll you'll see the one thing you will see, uh, I think, is that you'll see guys, you'll see people get their guys, and they'll really put want to put their stamp out on certain guys. Like I saw Marquez Callaway going in the fourth round in Vegas yeah. last year. And that, that's, that's a bridge too far. But, so you'll get that as a little bit of advantage. But, you know, generally speaking, you want to be in a room full of people that aren't as familiar with the format. I mean, it's, it's hard to find that. It, it's I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's easier probably to find that online and the closer we get to the start of the season when there's a lot more drafts rolling and people are, you know, it, I may not be doing a beat Jeff Erickson. Uh, you might not be doing a beat Nelson Souza draft. Instead, you're just jumping into one. And hoping yeah. to find a random one there. And I think that's maybe where you find your sweet spot. It, it definitely is. Uh, because, I mean, I start, my draft season starts like back in May. Uh, I'm already drafting these Rotowire online championships. And, you know, what I've noticed is like lately in August is when you start getting a lot more of the play, um, fantasy player pool jumping into drafts. They're, and what happens is they're just kind of getting started. So, you know, researching, picking up on information. And then that's where you see like a lot of um, missteps in, in the drafts. Sure. Um, I, I can guarantee you my first 
first draft of the year, oh, it's it's high garbage. You know, it's it, usually I'm, I'll, I try. You yeah. know, first best ball draft I do, I'm like, oh my god, Antonio Gibson in the second round. What am I thinking? I mean, oh, you know, things like that. Man. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I might have. Unfortunately, that's in print this year, <clears throat> but that's okay. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get over it. But yeah. uh, I think facts have changed on the ground. That's what I'm going to go with there. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, there, there is, there's, there, there, that's the thing is every year, every sport, I'm that way too. You know, the earliest draft I do is usually not great, but then after the second or third, I battle tested my rankings. I feel better about, I do a, dig a little bit more into certain players. And all of a sudden I have an idea where, what I want to do in certain spots. And it, it gets pretty good, especially because I can still get some guys. I, you know, the, the time when you could get Travis Etienne in the fourth round, long gone, you know, you're lucky to get him in the third now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It just ADP changes. And <clears throat> I think over time, you know, guys just, you know, they become more aware of where players are going. And, you know, the ADP tightens up. And what you see is like, <clears throat> guys like Gibson, you, you get some negative news coming out of camp, and, and things that maybe you are already avoiding that player. And those guys start dropping. Well, in order for those guys to drop, there's players that are going to have to move up. And right. uh, sometimes it's it's the right players, like it's it's good, legit players, or sometimes it's just training camp hype and preseason uh, hype, and those players just, you know, get moved up tremendously. But, you know, ETN was more of the, you know, back when I was drafting a couple of months ago, it was more of like the question mark, okay, what's he going to look like coming off injury? What, you know there was just too many question marks and you could get that discount. And then it was kind of like, okay, he's off the pup list. He's ready to go. Um, he's practicing. And then each day and each week went by, it was just all positive news on ETN. And then he goes and plays last weekend and looks pretty decent. And obviously James Robinson wasn't there. So it's like, I, I always find it uh, fascinating. Like, this time of year with like preseason and stuff like that, because it James Robinson now is like out of sight, out of mind. He didn't play in the preseason game and mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, it was all Travis ETN. You know, he got the full workload. So people start almost like drafting that way. Like that's going to be, that's what's going to happen. You know, I saw it on TV and that's what's going to happen during the season. But Obviously, James Robinson at some point is going to get healthy. He's obviously a little bit behind ETN in his recovery process. So, you know, it, it's one of those things being careful on, you know, how far you want to push a guy up because then it's – he goes from value to fair price to, you know, overpriced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right. And I feel like that's that's the case with him feel like that's the case uh like Damian Pierce is another one there where a lot of them early and none of them late you know he, yeah. if he goes to the sixth or seventh round I, hey congratulations you got him he's yours yeah. um it's the Callaway example you know uh, last year and yeah. Yeah. that 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 was that was a happy miss too uh, you know that was, <laughs> it was pretty lucky that I dodged that bullet because there's plenty of others that I I took for the team instead but uh yeah um it, so Julia was asking is there a preferred build like and she gave us two examples like uh 
you like to go RB, you know, receiver, receiver, running back or receiver, receiver, running back, running back. I think you answered it a little bit there by saying depends on where you're drafting and you can build any different way. I try not to get locked into a particular start necessarily. Uh, I like, especially in the first two rounds, I like to just take the best player that I, uh, and then build around that. That's, that's my approach. What do you say to that? I mean, obviously I'm setting KDS uh, because, you know, I'm trying to target exposure to certain players that go in that range, but I'm never locked into a certain structure. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I've never, I've never made up my mind pre-draft to say, all right, no matter what, I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver. It does, I'm putting blinders on and I don't care who falls to me. This is the way I'm going to go. I never do that. That's, that's right. where you, you run into mistakes. Uh, I think I'll give you a good example. Uh, the days are running in together because I, I'm doing, like I said, two, three drafts a day. I, so I can't remember if this was Monday or just yesterday, but um, I've been, for the most part, I'm not an early tight end guy. So very little exposure to Kelsey, very little exposure to Andrews. But I was in a draft where I was in the back end and Kelsey fell to me in the third round. Never seen him there before. It, it was a max pick. And sure. I thought about it on the clock and I didn't let, you know, my biases, you know, uh, cloud my judgment. And I said, no, 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 this, this makes sense. You know, Kelsey here in the third round, plus, you know, it's all about game theory too. You're playing in a big tournament, you know, the Rotowire online championship, you're trying to beat thousands of teams. You know, it's like a in daily, like a GPP, you know, so you're playing this big tournament. You're trying to also, you know, build teams that no one really has duplicated. So like that would be a good example of like, okay, Kelsey in the third round, I'm going to take him here, um, you know, for that reason. But if you've got your mind made up already, you're not prepared to take Kelsey or to, you know, think about whether you want to take him here. You're just going to pass him. You're just going to let him go. Right. Right. And I think that's super important. I mean, I think people get hung up on running backs, especially They're like I can't leave the first two rounds without a running back. I may have said that before myself at some point in time and actually acted upon it that way. But <laughs> and, and yeah, you look at the running back pool, you hear about the dreaded running back dead zone and all that and things that, you know, may be true, may not be true. But it, it, it's one of those things I think that people do get caught up on and ignore true value in the draft. 100 percent. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you talked about uh, this, like these, like the online championship, these high state contests. It is like a GPP in baseball. I have a pretty good idea of how to draft for an overall contest for football. How do you draft differently in an overall contest than you would for a standalone league? How do what, what, what factors are you looking for there? Um, I'd probably say that my style um, in a tournament setting I'm looking for high ceiling and I'm not necessarily worried about the floor. Okay. Uh, and I'll give you like a perfect example of two players that go right around the same range is Adam Thielen and Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Thielen is kind of like that veteran guy that you, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. If he's, if you get a healthy season out of him, you know what you're going to get from Thielen. Um, he's not going to be a league winner. Okay. But he's going to be super solid for you as a wide receiver three or even in your flex. Kadarius Tony, on the other hand, is 
he's got that potential as far as like in my range of outcomes for Tony, when I'm looking at it, I do believe that he has that potential uh, in him, but his floor is, is like borderline, you know, after a couple of weeks, you're, you're dropping him on the waiver wire. So that would be the two examples that I would give you, like where in a confined league, if I'm in like a 5k ultimate or, or, you know, a real, you know, high dollar league, I, I might, you know, kind of tone it down a little bit and, and take kind of like the, the more consistent option and not shoot for upside, you know, very low floor on every single pick. Sure. Tone it down with Tony. I, I can see the headline now, but <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, yeah. We're talking with Nelson Souza from FTN.com. Uh, before we move on, uh, all of our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We're going to go ahead and insert some ads here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence. We host all of our podcasts on the Blue Wire Network and appreciate you uh, pausing there for, for that. Um, you said you're not an early tight end guy. Why is that? Just preferred structure of, okay. of teams. And I don't think that that's that you're really you're, you're grabbing an edge at the tight end position. And Kelsey and Andrews, uh, for example, you could treat them as like a wide receiver. I mean, based on their production. But I just think that when you got to fill out your roster with three wide receivers and you still got to get two running backs and a flex, um, I just, uh, it's just not my preferred strategy, but I don't think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it's flawed uh, in any way. 
Um, again, it, it's just my preference. I don't like how my, my teams necessarily turn out when I take an early tight end. Fair enough. Um, I did take Pitts in our draft at the end of the third. I like that. Rotowire is required to take pits in every draft, by the way. It's just okay. kind of one of our things, but no. Um, <laughs> I, I did like that there, especially because of the cost. And I already had two receivers at the time, too. Uh, so I did wait on running backs. Uh, that, that was kind of a consequence. But that was a known thing. Once I started with Jefferson in the first round, I kind of know I'm, I'm going to build that that way. Um, and that, that's one of the things you kind of look at there is like, okay, when am I going to attack running back after that there? What sort of running backs am I looking for? What did you do in the second round? I went Evans. All right, so you started Jefferson Evans, and then you went Pitts. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that structure. So what? What'd you do coming back around in the fourth? Uh, Connor four two James Mitchell Connor. the Connor Mitchell Dylan four five six back to the receivers Alave Claypool uh, added Boyd and Osborne and Marshall later on. See, I I love that start uh, in the first four rounds in the structure it is mm-hmm. nice and balanced. The only thing that I probably do a little different is. You said you took Mitchell and Dylan. I probably would have just taken one of them. Agreed. And, and gone back to wide receiver. And as the draft was playing out, that was exactly my thought too. Uh, especially because you guys down the other end, it was like a sea of yellow down there again. And uh, it was bothering me that I, you know, I thought, okay, maybe I could get a couple of my targets here. Michael Thomas went six, one in this draft. I would have taken him over Dylan had he gotten to me. Uh, but like, you know, I, I missed out on some guys. I, I would have loved to have had Ayuk in that draft. You got him in the 7-1 spot there, so he never came, had a chance of coming back. That's yeah. It was just about the time when he started going around there, um, you know, because all the positive buzz had already started at that point in time. Yeah, and uh, as I was going back through the draft, now I love Olave. He's one of my guys, um, mm-hmm. so I felt pretty good about that, but it's risky. He, You know, him and Claypool as I'm battling out for my wide receiver three is going to be uh, – Maybe a tough decision. You don't want those tough decisions necessarily at your wide receiver three and flex. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that once the season starts, if one of those guys hits, you look like a genius. Um, yeah. But if if they both kind of falter at the beginning of the year and then you're just kind of playing musical chairs at that wide receiver three, that's where, you know, it, it can get tricky, you know, in right. trying to you, – you can't – you can go into the season with holes um, on your roster, but preferred is to, you know, only have one question mark, uh, you know, on your team and, you know, f- wide receivers three is fine because you have the three running backs and you have Jefferson and Evans. So you've got, you got two really good wide wide receiver ones, basically. I mean, they're right. so it's one of those things where, your wide receiver three is not as problematic as some people. If they started, let's say, uh, from if they went like instead of Jefferson, they went you went Eckler, and let's just say you took uh, Javante Williams or something, right in the right. second round, and then you went Pitts. Just imagine what your wide receivers would look like then, and right. and then and it- especially if injuries and or bye weeks hit, then you're really kind of scraping there to try to figure it out. And maybe you, maybe you hit lightning in a bottle. Maybe you get that, uh, the, this year's Jefferson rookie year, Jefferson or something like that. I mean, that's your, but it's, it's a much narrower path for you to make it work. Uh, and I think yeah. that, I agree with you on the structure there. Uh, and, and how that, I think that's why you gotta think about the overall picture, uh, going back to tight ends. Julia is asking, is there a tight end dead zone? 
I'm just looking at your roster here and you're drafting your first tight ends in 13 and 14. So no, the answer is you can find plenty of them late. I late, I, I, I got pits in this one, but I've also waited till that range to also get tight ends before. Like I'll get, I like waiting and getting uh, for instance, commit uh, in the 10th or 11th round, or even going Henry and Friermuth. or you got Albert O you got Higby in that one there. That's fine too. I, I don't mind that. Yeah. I, I like Pitts in the fourth round. Anytime he's there, I'm strongly considering him um, mm-hmm. on my teams. And then I do, for the most part, I've actually avoided Waller and Kittle. And I'm not so sure that I haven't avoided them on purpose. It's just where they go, they go like right around the fifth, sixth round, basically, right. in, in drafts. And there's always a wide receiver there that I just like better than going and taking them. Goddard and Hawkinson, um, guys like that, I definitely will consider if they go late enough. Cole Komet, I really like. I've got a lot of exposure to him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would probably say that as far as a dead zone for tight ends, I feel like, you know, Kittle and Waller just never fall far enough for me to consider, you know, taking them. Yeah. Waller's returning to practice finally today. Uh, you know, after missing basically two plus weeks for the first like week and a half of that, we didn't even know why. And then they finally said, Oh, it's a hamstring, but, and it's not major. It was a very weird situation. The reporting of that, the uh, just the, the silence from the Raiders on that was pretty weird, but that's training camp. Sometimes you get, some teams are really tight with information. They seem to be one of them. Waller's a, a flat out avoid for me for unless he drop really drops and he hasn't uh, so far, you know, at least in the leagues that I've been in, I'll, I actually will take Kittle over Waller. I would probably need to go in the seventies to get Waller. Um, and that hasn't happened for me yet. Yeah. I, I gotta, I mean, when I look again, I don't do projections. I do like range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kittle is in, is interesting for me because where he goes, he could be a true difference maker. Like he could be tight end one um, yeah. this year. It's just, it comes down to trying to figure out Trey Lance, like who is going to be like his favorite target. Is it going to be Debo? Is it going to be Brandon Ayuk? Because that's kind of what the camp buzz has been that right. him and Ayuk are getting along. But you know, what if it is Kittle and that's his go-to guy in the middle of the field for, you know, essentially a rookie, like, you know, last year was kind of a redshirt year for him. And this year, if, you know, things are not open for him, he's going to look to run. So it's kind of like his progression is kind of middle of the field and that's kind of, you know, Kittle's sweet zone. So like that could be a, a scenario where Kittle's, you know, out there catching like 90 balls for a thousand plus yards. Right. And you get, if he approaches double digit touchdowns, he's, He's in the tight end one conversation. Yeah. I have landed on Kittle a couple of times for me. I have done that a few times. And I, uh, for that reason, although I'm at the same time, I'm also wary of Lance. It's a weird spot to be in where I'm getting Kittle, but not getting Lance. Uh, wouldn't mind pairing the two a little bit more often. If I were going to go Kittle, I don't mind getting Lance to go with them. Uh, yeah. How important is correlation in, in an overall contest like that? Do you really make, put an emphasis in getting the pass catcher with the quarterback? Yeah, it's funny because it seems like I've had uh, this conversation or this question uh, f- like for the last week, and <laughs> a lot of people a-, a lot of people ask that. And what I will say is I don't go necessarily out of my way to do it, but it's 
I'm definitely aware of it um, as the draft is unfolding. So I think that, again, in a tournament format, uh, when we get to the shootout, right, and it's a three-week sprint and you're trying to accumulate as many points as possible, yeah, I, I want my you know quarterback with my wide receiver stacked because that's the quickest way to – that's the shortcut to – accumulating fantasy points. If my quarterback's thrown for four touchdowns, hopefully, you know, two or three of them went to, you know, his number one weapon. Would you ever go two uh, targets on the same team? Yeah. Yep. 100% I would. Yeah. I I've actually done it a few times just because it's easy to acquire right now is if I go Cooper cup and I end up with like Robinson in the fourth round, I'll, I'll actually make, I'll be aware of that. And won't worry about quarterback too much. Stafford's been going li- really late in these yes, drafts, he has. and yeah. I'll just I'll just grab Stafford. And I look at it as, you know, the elbow issue I think is uh, much to do about nothing, and that he's going to be fine. So um, having that stack in a really good offense, that's you know, I say cheap like the quarterback goes cheap, but you know the pass catchers don't uh, sure. necessarily. But when you know. You got to look at that as like, okay, you got two pass catchers going in the top four rounds. Um, why wouldn't you be interested in the quarterback? Of course. You know, I'd love to do a Bengals one. It's hard to acquire that one, though, uh, because it's hard That'd to get both tough. Chase and Higgins. But it yeah, would be you, super fun if you could. You got you got to push Higgins up to the second round. So yeah. you, you got to take him. Like, you can't try to get cute and – you know, usually Chase, you got to be like at, you know, number five overall uh, mm-hmm. to acquire Chase. Higgins is not going to necessarily, he's never going to make it down there in the third round to you. So you're better off taking him in the second round. And then you're looking to target Burrow somewhere in like the seventh round uh, right. to make sure that you secure that. But, right. but like, yeah, that that's an example of one that's kind of is tricky to pull off just because of the where the two wide receivers go and then the quarterback, um, you know, Stafford like goes 10th round, 11th round where, you know, Burrow, you, you got to take them like around the seventh. Right. I'll tell you one that's easy to put together is Minnesota. If you get Jefferson as a start, I mean, it's really easy add add cousins and Thielen later and Thielen then cousins. But, and I did do, I did do uh, Jefferson uh, cousins and later Osborne in case Thielen gets hurt, but uh, that was super easy to acquire. And I did wait on quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, another tough one is like Buffalo. You know. Oh yeah, that's really if, difficult. Yeah. If you get Diggs, I, I've actually been able to do it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was by accident because I wasn't even considering Allen in the third round, and he made it all the way back to me in the fourth. Um, and then it was like a no-brainer. Then it was sure. like. Oh, what, let, let's on. go ahead and stack this. And then later in the draft, I took Dawson Knox. Um, but yeah, that's another one that's like really tough, especially like if you want Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis has been getting fired up in the early fourth round. Hey, we had our weekly mention of Gabe Davis on a con- uh, on a podcast. So there we go. We, we can, yeah, an angel will get its wings because of that. Uh, no, uh, it's just a yeah. lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of buzz on Gabe Davis in the fantasy community this year. Um, now, a lot of talk about stacks. I, you know, people talk about that all the time in uh, like best ball context, like underdog or, you know, you know, any of the other formats there. Do you play a lot of best ball too? I play a little bit um, on underdog. Uh, okay. But now I'm, I'm solely more into like redraft mode. 
Okay. Um, just because the two formats are different and I'm doing so many redrafts, you know, I, I could probably do fine in best ball, but I think it, it kind of messes with your brain a little bit um, just in terms of structure and, and when to take guys. And sure. I, I just don't want to, you know, at this point in time, I don't want to like screw up, you know, my, my drafts. I hear you. I, I do best ball early and manage leagues later. Uh, that's, that's the way yeah. I tend to structure my draft season. I may dive into like uh, an underdog if I'm waiting somewhere, like I'm going to be uh, flying next week in the airport. That's a perfect time to do it. That's a perfect time to jump into one. Cause you know, you can get in one right away and it'll be done by the time you get on the plane. So that's always handy, but uh, uh, that, that's for sure. How many leagues do you do roughly as far as in high stakes leagues? Um, as far as like redraft managed leagues, um, yeah. I probably do like around 150. My God, how do you handle fab? It just, you know, I follow a process, you know, it, it's just, it turns into a little bit of a full-time job actually. I, um, I would manage so, yeah. But I, I enjoy it. You know, I have, I have fun with it. Been doing it for, you know, quite a while, been managing that kind of volume for quite a while. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it's become... It's normal for me, I guess. You get shut down on Wednesday, starting Wednesday afternoon. I imagine that you have like a block of five or six hours where you, no one's got to bother you. <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's an all day thing. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and especially, I mean, the thing is, if it's always on your brain, you're doing a lot of the prep work. It's not like you first start entering bids right before the deadline. You can do it at any time, and then and then adjust accordingly as soon as you know more. Yeah, I follow a process. So, like on Mondays. I'm already looking ahead for like uh, defensive matchups, mm -hmm. um, kickers, anything like that. Um, I'm already looking ahead and putting in those bid groups. So I get that out of the way on Mondays. So okay. I don't have to worry about that on Wednesday. And then on Tuesday is when I start kind of formulating my game plan targets, guys that um, I'm going to be looking to pick up. And then not till Wednesday morning is when I kind of finalize what I want to start bidding on guys. And then once I have, like, I'll go. So what I do is I, I put the bid groups together, just keep it at a buck. And then on Wednesday morning is when I go in and I start moving guys around and putting in the actual bid amounts. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially with so many uh, leagues like that, you have to have that sort of process. I think, you know, I tell people I'm over 20 and people get blown away, but man, 150, that's just, that's, that's a whole different beast. I mean, you, you know, you don't have much time to do much else there, but uh, and if you have, if you're getting that return on investment, it's worth your time. So uh, that's the way to look at it there, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, let's talk about, uh, like you said, roster exposure. Uh, yeah. You've talked about that. Like you want to get some exposure to certain people. About what's like the max exposure you want to have on any given player? Sure. Um, I try in the first couple of rounds, the, the players that I'm taking there, I'm always um, aware of not trying to go above 35%. Okay. Uh, I might, you know, there might be guys that I just believe in and, I think they're just going to crush. But at the end of the day, like I can't prevent injuries. So no matter how much I, I like a guy and if an injury happens, it crushes your season in on a player that you took in the first couple of rounds. It, they're just, right. it's very hard to overcome. Now 
a player I take in like the seventh, eighth round. Um, it's going to sting if I have heavy exposure to that player, you know, over 50%, which I'll get like that on some players uh, for sure. It will sting, but it's not a, you know, it, it's not a game breaker. It's not a deal breaker. Um, it's the first few rounds that I really, you know, pay attention to. And I find that the, what's comfortable for me is like right around 35% of the play. Okay. So that does answer a, little, a bit of a question for me that you do believe in differentiation, you know, and, you know, trying to limit, you know, vary that exposure. I guess that also comes with dra- uh, varying the draft slot too. I mean, you're not, you know, if you were high on Cooper cup over Robert Woods and you varied in last year, then you probably lost out on all, some Cooper cup shares because of that. Yeah. But on the flip side, if you were high on Travis ETN and you had him everywhere and then he, he didn't play it down, then you know, yeah, that would have been tragic. No, 100%. I mean, but there's there's other examples in that range where Cooper Cup and Woods were going. Uh, there were What I remember is like in the prime times when they rolled around, it was basically like the 3-4 turn is mm-hmm. where those guys were going. And I mean, there's other players that were going in that range that either got hurt or they busted. And if you were on those players, you know, that was, that was going to hurt. Um, so yeah. I don't worry. I, I was one that did have cup over woods. So I, I got plenty of exposure. Um, obviously after the fact, you know, as cup is, you know, on his well on his way to a monster season, you know, as I'm setting my lineups, you know, on Saturday night into Sunday, um, I'm looking, I'm like Robert Woods. Like what the f? What like why do I have Woods on this team? Why why didn't I? And I'll go into the draft board and I'll look and I'm like, what the? Why did I take Woods on this one? And that's what it is. Yeah. You're you're just trying to mix up you know player exposure. Yeah, um, I mean, there's pros and cons to that. I I saw a pretty good debate with uh, Chris List and Shane Barrett on that uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about that. And I think the more volume you play at higher levels, I think the more important it is to have some differentiation. If you play in three leagues. You probably just want to get your guy, uh, but if you play in thirty leagues, you you want you want to have a, some variance there as way. I yeah, probably that's, argue that's what I told guys over subscribers over at FTN. They'll ask me, you know, hey Nelson, um, what would you do in this case? You know, I'm in five leagues uh, this year. Just just get your guys. You know, have yeah. fun with it. Enjoy rooting for them. Uh, if an injury happens, it it is what it is. But like, yeah, you you don't want to go and and mix it up too much. It's when you start getting up to like 20 teams and, and, you know, 30 plus is when you, you do want to be aware of it. Um, You know, in drafts, like I'm really uh, careful with like these Rotowire online championships right now. I'm keeping that exposure actually below 30% because I know once the main events come, the prime times, and I'm in some high dollar leagues also at the NFFC. I'm, you know, I'm going to want to take my guys. I'm going to want to take players that I believe right. in. And I don't want to have that in the back of my mind knowing like, oh man, you know, this guy's here. He fell to me, but I, I'm at like 40% now on this guy. You know, I got to start kind of skipping him and going a little lighter. Which so, is crazy. You don't want to have to have you know, skip your guy in the biggest possible events. I, I, I get that. And I, yeah. I've done that before. In like baseball, I've done that more than I've done in football, I think. Or I get to the main event and I'm like, oh, I already have, I've been, I already got so many of this guy. What? This is your most important draft. If you believe in him, you believe in him. 
And that's why draft season, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why, like, I'm always checking my player shares, uh, you know, on a daily basis for, for that, because I'm trying to keep that in check that, you know, right. the, the ownership, because once prime time, those prime times come, it's just, let's go, you know, let's just take the guys that we believe in. Exactly. Got some more tips from Nelson coming up in a sec, but first got to take a little care of business from Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap which, by the way, is a real salary cap, unlike the NFL's. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off any new team. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Nelson Souza of FTN.com. Nelson, I, you be, you're dispensing all this great advice, but you do this on a regular basis at FTN.com, and I know you guys have a special going on. Yeah, so um, we're actually doing a, a giveaway. I just woke up this morning and said, you know, let's just do something fun and create some buzz. So we're going to be giving away uh, three subscriptions. Uh, one is my high stakes package, um, which is, you know, besides getting like rankings and, uh, you know, countless articles to, to read about and my fade list and things like that. Um, you're getting rankings from like Jeff Ratcliffe, who ended up being number one um, last year in in-season rankings. Um, you got the platinum package and the bronze also. Um, but yeah, just a fun giveaway um, on Twitter. Try to, you know, follow follow our guys and, you know, retweet and like, and then I'll pick a, I'll pick a few winners tonight. Yeah, and if you're listening now or watching now, uh, but you didn't see us on Twitter, uh, you can follow Nelson on Twitter at the the underscore franchise twelve. That's the underscore franchise twelve, and you can find out more details on that and how to how to win on that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, tight end boosted leagues. You know, the FFPC obviously yep. is more in that route. How much does your strategy change with that position in leagues like that? It's the same strategy. Um, I'm still probably even more so I'm probably not going to have exposure to a Kelsey who goes in the first round. Uh, Andrews, you know, probably goes late first, you know, early second around there. And then Pitts goes late second to third round. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the only difference is the other guys that I'm going to be looking for. I got to push them up a few rounds and, and just knowing that, that, the way I structure my team, I got to look for those guys, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, Cole Komet, like 10th, 11th round, FFPC, you're looking at like more eighth, seventh round right? You know, to secure him. And then, you know, Albert O and, and those guys where, you know, they're an afterthought a little bit in the NFFC, like 13th, 14th round in the FFPC, you, you got to take them like 10th round. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's really important to know. And no, and you know, both sites have pretty good, uh, robust ADP engines. There, you can search pretty well, search by date, search by contest, um, and knowing ADP. And you don't have to follow ADP, but you get you kind of have to know it. Yeah. 
Now it's that's it's really important to to know ADP, especially like in high stakes leagues. Um, and I you know I tell this to people, even if you're you look at it and like, well, I'm not doing you know those are nosebleed uh, prices, you know entry fees. I'm never doing anything like that. I'm just going to stick to my you know hundred dollar local league. That's fine, but if you're able to follow and be aware of you know high stakes drafts and what the ADP is in those drafts, like that's way better, more accurate information than doing a mock draft or, or something right. like that. You have robots in the room or you have people auto picking and, you know, you look at the, the, the team and it doesn't even make sense. So like, those are the things that that can give you an edge in your local league. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, that's, I think another va- uh, value add to best ball. I mean, it's not always, doesn't always adhere to the actual ADP and drafts, but you know, at least people are putting their money down and they're, thus they're going to try to build a team. Right. I mean, I guess if you have, you know, higher resources and you can, you can, you know, just be a little goofy in a best ball. Sure. I mean, it can happen, but for the most part, you know, you put your money down, you draft a real team, you go th- all the way through the end. You never abandon a draft because of that. I mean, th- those are some really important considerations. Yeah. W- 100%. I mean, just because you're, Entering in a thousand dollar league doesn't mean that you know what you're doing. You know, um, literal or big entry fees, you're going to have the rake and you're going to have the sharks, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in there. Um, so that doesn't matter. But usually someone that's going to pony up money is going to, you know, put some thought into it. Like you said, they're, they're going to, you know, want to try to draft a competitive team. Uh, so they're not just out there, you know, just auto picking. Yeah, indeed. Julia's got a tight end question since we're talking FFPC. Who will be this year's Cole Komet, who spiked for over 50 more targets than last year? Uh, I think it's Komet over last year's Komet, but anybody yeah. else? Who else is a tight end who's going to get a big spike in targets? Um, I'd probably say Alberto. Yeah. I, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, do you know Alberto how to... is his name. I think that's okay. the commu- fantasy community decided that. I, okay. I, so I did Chris, I actually did uh, Chris Harris's podcast last year. And for that podcast, I learned how to say Alberto's name. And then I kind of buried it. Uh, Okaway Gunbaum, I think. Uh, but uh, I, I, I could try and I will have that. By the time season rolls around, I'll get to that uh, a little bit better. But it, for now, he's still Alberto. Yeah. So that, that's, that would be a guy. Um, I know that you still have Sutton and Judy there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the running backs out of the backfield, but I think that he could be super efficient in, in that offense. Indeed. A uh, couple of uh, injury notes that I want to talk about, get your reaction to uh, Kenneth Walker with a hernia. Just uh, had a note coming down during the, during the podcast here that he's undergoing a procedure to repair that hernia. Uh, so I know that uh, Pete, uh, Pete Carroll said uh, before that it was a minor hernia issue. Turns out now he's saying he's having a procedure, but it's not related to a sports hernia. So there's perhaps another minor issue in play. And it's Pete Carroll injury optimism time too, again here. I don't think you can really believe anything that, you know, comes out of there. Um, most coaches, you got to take it at face value. You got to take mm-hmm. it in assault and you, you got to be able to, that's another thing that's like huge with like fantasy football and separates, you know, the good players from, you know, the average players is 
being able to take in information, but, and then filter through it. Right. Um, if, if you're like very gullible type of person um, or, or just an honest person and believe that everybody, you know, in the world is honest and you're taking in this information, it's, you know, it's going to turn in, it, it's, you're going to have a rough season because these coaches are always looking at it as like a competitive advantage. Um, you know, as little information they can give is usually, you know, the preferred option. Right. Belichick used to be notorious for that. I've actually found recently that the Pats have actually been better than other teams in terms of injury information. It's really weird uh, because he was notorious for a long time. Is not telling you anything. Yeah. Isn't it almost like you, you listen to his pressers like back in, in the days and you're like, this guy's such a pain in the ass. And now it's almost like he leaves his office to like do his, you know, weekly uh, press conference with the reporters. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to tell them what they, you know, I'm just going to just throw it out there. This is what's going on. Yeah. It seems like there's something to that there. Like, well, okay. I can say anything now. I'm Bill Belichick. Yeah, probably. Brady's gone. I don't know. Maybe there's something to be with that. But uh, yeah, Uh, I've noticed some teams are a lot better than others. And, you know, Pete Carroll is always shiny, happy, Mr. Optimism. Jerry Jones, you have to take the appropriate grain of salt. I think it's still incredibly weird that Jerry Jones is the one that's giving injury updates as opposed to like anybody else on the team. Uh, But, uh, you know, that, 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 that is what it is. But yeah, I think you're right. You do have to have a filter, and especially this time of year, um, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, there's there's training camp overreactions, there's preseason overreactions. There's just it's there's all sorts of uh, things you have to sift through, and you don't know what's for real. Yeah, it, I mean, coaches are looking at it, especially if it's an injury to a like uh, a good player or a player that has a significant role in the offense. It's a competitive disadvantage for them to come out and say, you know, hey this guy is going to be out a few weeks. Uh, so, you know, the Seahawks played Denver week one. Um, that's an advantage for Denver to say, okay, well, they're not going to have Walker available. Uh, it's almost a definite. So we can start preparing, you know, for it's going to be Penny and Travis Homer or something like right. that. Um, right. uh, wide receiver, same thing, you know, like your number one wide receiver. Ah, he's just, he's just resting. It's, it's no big deal or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they, they're not going to go out and tell you, you know, that this guy is going to miss, you know, it's a severe injury or whatever. And even if he can suit up and play, he probably ends up being limited. How many times have you heard that through the years, right? Oh, Where constantly, yeah. You start the guy, you're, you're waiting on Sunday, right? And he's active. And you're like, yes, he's he's active. My, my number one wide receiver. And he goes out and you're like, wait a minute, he's playing limited snaps. He's he, a decoy, yeah decoy and that's the thing like he's a decoy out there and that's what the coach that was the plan all along you know yeah the problem is you get the flip side you get dalvin cook against the steelers on thursday night when he after he's missed one game and he's questionable and then at the last second oh yeah he suited up he's gonna play and he goes off yeah you're like oh you know i got a headache for this one here too um and you, you can't make a uh, you can't talk in absolutes i think that's the problem with that you know you we want to be able to have this general rule of thumb. We want to have this structure, this rubric says, coach says this, it means this, done. That's not the way the world works, unfortunately. No. no. Um, all that said, we've had this screen of misinformation. Who's one player you've significantly changed on 
during training camp and the preseason so far? For for good or bad? Either way, your choice. Um, I've definitely changed my tune on a couple of players. Uh, let's talk about a guy that, like, I think everybody's talking about and Twitter is talking about is Isaiah Pacheco. Yes. So he's a guy that I watched him a little bit at Rutgers actually. And Mm -hmm. I always thought that like, he looked like he looked the part to me. He looked talented. Uh, They just had a bad offensive line there and and everything. So he, he just never had many holes to run through. And then he goes to the combine and he kind of blows it up where he, you know, he ran a fast 40 and it was a little surprising and everything. And then he goes to Kansas city, but it's like seventh round pick, you know, ah, whatever. And okay. CEH is healthy. They've got McKinnon there. Uh, they bring in Ronald Jones. Okay. So you're like, okay, that like he's buried that this is not a situation where, um, I'm even considering him. And, and then you start getting information where, you know, from what I've heard is that Ronald Jones can't pick up the offense and he's struggling with that. So all of a sudden you hear CEH is healthy. He's, he's going to be the, you know, first, second down back. McKinnon's going to be involved on passing downs. Right. And, but like this kid Pacheco is kind of flashing in, you know, in these practices. And then all of a sudden it's Rojo, you know, nowhere to be seen. McKinnon now pops up on the injury report. He's got a hand. Okay. And, you know, uh, I want to put this disclaimer out there to me. I don't consider guys like injury prone. I think anyone that plays in the NFL is injury prone. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Okay. But there's just some guys that just seem like they always get dinged up and McKinnon's one of them and CEH, you know, for right now, early on his career, seems like he always has something going on, right? So Pacheco is one of those guys. He's a riser, and I usually like to be contrarian, and I definitely don't like to follow the masses, but he's a guy that intrigues me just because of his skill set and the offense that he's in. So that that's probably one guy that I've uh, definitely yeah. changed. For sure. You know, in the last four days uh, on the NFFC, Pacheco's ADP is 128. He's gone as early as 87, um, as late as 190. This is in 52 drafts. He's been drafted in every single one of those drafts. Uh, he's definitely a guy that's all, definitely rising up. To me, though, that almost makes it a, you know, it kind of makes it a buying opportunity for CEH because there's no buzz about CEH this year. You know, he, he's like one of those guys where you, you can't get him for free but you certainly can get him well below what you in, in any other given year. And he's the starting running back, at least in theory on a team. That's one of the best offenses in football. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could you see it like where he's the forgotten guy? No one really wants him. Uh, right. no one really, you know, uh, targeting him in drafts, but he's just kind of there in the seventh round, sometimes, you know, eighth round he, he right there and you take him, And then like week one comes and, He's like, you know, rushing for a hundred yards and you're like, shit, how did I miss this? And it's like, wait a minute. Of he's course he's the starter. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Like, wait a minute. This is so obvious. So yeah. yeah, that that's definitely a guy that like is a good example of he's not the shiny new toy. He's kind of like the post hype kind of guy. 
Exactly. Went around pick 80 in the draft you and I did together about 10 days ago. So it's just as a point of reference. So, yeah, I think that's a great example. And Pacheco had to overcome being part of New York's Big Ten team. So uh, there you go. But, uh, yeah, I, I still love that. As, as a Big Ten fan, we always mock that. But, uh, uh, you know, I just Rutgers joining the Big Ten just still to this day. Just so he can capture that rabid New York market that's it there for Rutgers. But, uh, yeah. no. They're, they're, yeah, they're in, uh, they're in over their heads. Yeah, so it is. But then again, I went to Northwestern, so we're in over our heads every other year, it seems like, so for us. Um, yeah, good stuff there. Um, thank you, and good example there. So, again, remind people about your giveaway um, so we, people can follow you and find find your work at FTN. Yeah, so fi find me on Twitter. Um, you'll see that I tweeted this out uh, this morning, and you got to be following FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, and FTN Bets. And retweet. And later tonight, I'm going to pick three winners with our three different uh, subscriptions that we have at FTN. And, Fantastic. Uh, you know, one of them is my high stakes package, which, you know, is worth $199. Actually, it's it's worth way more than that. Uh, but we charge $199. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm in the Discord chat uh, answering questions for subscribers through the draft season. Uh helping them with like their draft structure and targets guys to fade. And then during the season lineup calls trades um, and, you know, picking up the, the key guys, you know, in free agency. So, you know, to, just to give you guys an example, I I've had a couple of uh, guys come back to me and, and tell me how uh, huge it was that if you remember, remember when like hunt got hurt and then Chubb w was out for a little bit and, right. A lot of people gravitated towards uh, Demetric Felton. Um, he was yeah, kind of like Felton versus Johnson. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it was like the undersized kid, but like he had just scored like an eighty-yard touchdown on like a, a swing pass, and but he was playing like very limited snaps. And I told the guys, you know, listen, Felton's going to go for big money because he's the one that you know has flashed. But you know, Dearness Johnson is the guy that you want. Um, so like a lot of people, you know, th that's an example of, you know, sometimes we can't just go with, uh, you know, what the, the public, what the popular pick is, is right. you, know, you, you got to kind of filter through it and try to find the, the guy, the right player. Yeah. Identifying the right guy is so important. The importance of getting Dearness. Uh, so very, very important to get that. Nelson, awesome stuff today. Really appreciate you coming on and spending an hour of your time with us and, uh, Hey, good luck this season. Hope to avoid you in many other of our, my high stakes drafts, but we can see each other in the overall, hopefully. Oh, th thanks. Awesome. Th this was awesome. I, I really appreciate you inviting me and, you know, good luck to you in, uh, in your drafts coming up. All right. Sounds great. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can check out Rotowire for free with no, uh, no credit card required. Rotowire.com slash try. We'll be back at you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.